see you guys here today. Um, our lesson today will be on baptism. I guess the, the slide on display kind of gives it away. Um, speaking of baptism, the, the last slide in the transition from uh, worship to the sermon this morning was, the, you know, remember, save the date for the baptism in church party. Again, to kind of piggyback off of what Paul had said, baptism that Sunday, okay, August 12th, is for anybody impact age, okay, through teenage years, if you will, okay, so the children's ministry, if anybody in that age group would like to be baptized, please see Kendra or Dwayne. If anybody is in youth group or youth group age through adult age and would like to be baptized, uh, please see Alan. Uh, you could also see me at the end of today's lesson if you would like, and I can pass the, the, the message on to, to either of those. Now, baptism, we pretty much all of this, I would, all of us would imagine have an idea of what baptism pretty much is. Raise your hand if you know it involves water. That should be pretty much everybody, right? So we know we kind of, even though we might not know what it is, okay, we know it involves water, okay? Now, baptism is a symbol. It's a symbol. That's all it is. The act of baptism by itself doesn't really mean anything unless there has something that has occurred before the baptism. We'll get into that as we move through the the lesson today. But a symbol is simply defined. We know what a symbol is. But a symbol is something used... A symbol is something used for or regarded as representing something else. A material object representing something often immaterial. A symbol could be an emblem, that could be a sign, or it could be a token. Now, I have some examples of some, some symbols here. Now, in our culture and around the world, symbols are powerful. Immediately when we see a symbol or a sign, we know what it is. So the first one we have, okay, uh, on the screen... Uh, if you see that up on the screen here, you know what it refers to, right? What does that refer to? This is interactive. Yes, recycle, right? Okay. You see that? You know it's referring to recycle. Okay. The next one. Handicap. Yes. You see this at parking spots. You see this at bathroom signs. It's handicap accessible. Okay. The next one. This is a road sign. This is meant to protect you while you're driving. If you, you need to make a road left turn during a situation where it's not safe, you could have some serious problems. Okay? You calling Geico and, and Progressive and all those insurance companies uh, making a claim because you made a left turn when it shouldn't it wouldn't have been safe. So they have those road signs to protect you. Good symbol. Next one. This one might not be very familiar with a lot of you, but if you know it, what's that? Pharmacy, yes, or apothecary, yes. Okay, we're dealing with medicine here. Okay, the next one. Ah, that's a good one. What was, (laughs) say that one? A guy in jail. Rachel said a guy in jail. You could interpret that as a guy in jail going, why me? (laughs) Right? (laughs) <laughs> it was great. Now, <laughs> I like that better than what I actually put it up there for. What does that mean if you see that? Touchdown. Touchdown, yes. Now, for some of my basketball fans out there, what does that also mean? Three-pointer, yes. Three-pointer. 
Okay? So we know that's touchdown or three-pointer or a guy in jail going, why me? Okay? Just, we, just, we just came to that one up. Rachel got that. We're going to give her credit for that. <laughs> so we have one more. What's this one? Off of the periodic table. Nah, thanks, sodium. Hey, you like that? Somebody got that. So, <laughs> sodium, right? Okay, it's a chemical symbol for sodium off the periodic table. All right? Now, other symbols or signs, we know if we see them, immediately we know what this means, right? We know what this means. I can't hear you. Speak up, right? So we see these things and immediately know what they are. The great things about symbols is you could be illiterate. You don't even know how to read. You don't even know how to, how to read. You know what I mean? You could be in another country and see a symbol. And for the most part, be able to gather what that means. Symbols are powerful. Symbols are important. The symbol represents something else. Now, in the Bible... Symbols and symbolic actions are all throughout the Bible. Symbols, symbolic actions, and symbolism in the Bible convey spiritual, can convey spiritual death. They can convey spiritual death. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 and 2 read, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Spiritual death. Later on throughout that particular passage, breath is breathed into them. Muscle and skin covers them. The Spirit of God is put into those bones and they become alive again. Speaking of the Israelites. Symbols, symbolic actions... And symbolism in the Bible can also convey strength and stability. Strength and stability. Psalm chapter 18, verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my Savior, my God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. A rock rock of my salvation. Powerful symbol. In and of itself, you look at a rock, meh, it's a rock. But when you use it as a symbol, immediately you understand what it represents. Symbols, symbolic actions, and symbolism in the Bible can also convey God's covenant. Now this one's awesome. I love rainbows. And this is something that happened so many years ago with Noah. We still get to see it today. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Genesis chapter 9, verses 13 through 16. Read, I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with all, uh, with you and with all on the, excuse me, let me, it's easy for me to say this morning. Back up here. I place my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and all and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds, and I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow in the clouds, I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. 
God's covenant. Symbols, symbolic actions, and symbolism in the Bible can also convey rejection. Can also convey rejection. Luke chapter 9, verse 5 says, If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Now, Jesus had spoken to the disciples and go out, spread the word. He says, If they do not accept you, walk out, shake the dust off your feet, and move on. Rejection. Can, symbols can uh, represent rejection, convey rejection. Symbols, symbolic actions, and symbolism in the Bible can also convey anger and or sorrow. Anger and or sorrow. Genesis chapter 37, verse 29. Some time later, Reuben returned to get Joseph out of the cistern. When he discovered that Joseph was missing, he tore his clothes in grief. Tore his clothes in grief. Can convey sorrow and or anger. Other symbols in the Bible. What would be covering your head? A symbol of submission. How about a symbol of spiritual need? That would be being thirsty. Being thirsty would be a symbol for spiritual need. What's the symbol of the Holy Spirit? There are several of them. A dove. Fire. Right? Symbols are powerful. Anointing would be a symbol of empowering by God's Spirit. When the Jews decided to crucify Jesus as a symbolic action, what did Pilate do? He washed his hands. I am innocent. Washing your hands is a symbol of innocence. So we're getting ready to move into uh, the part of the lesson here where we're going to focus on, on baptism. So I couldn't help it because this is kind of how I do things. Got a couple slides here that I kind of wanted to, to show you. So logo with, with, with the next slide. Okay. I'll make sure everybody had a chance to read that. Okay. <laughs> now, we're not going to get into infant baptism and, and, and adult baptism and stuff like that, but please understand that to be baptized, it is a decision. You have to have something occur before you can make the decision to be baptized. Babies can't do that, and that's all I will say. Go to the next one. like this. And again, you <laughs> you have to make you have to make the decision to be baptized. You can't be an innocent bystander and get baptized. Okay. So anyways, so we know the baptism refers to to water. It's it's using baptism requires the process of water. Now, history of baptism, okay? Now, baptism 
is a ceremonial immersion of water as an initiatory rite or sacrament of the Christian church. The Greek word for baptize, baptizdo, literally means to dip or immerse. To dip or immerse. Not sprinkle, that's all I'll say, just dip or immerse. So baptism is defined. Okay? Now, a single word search for baptism in the Old Testament, that word does not exist. That word does not exist. However, we see several times in the Old Testament where, um, where water, not in the process of baptism, but where water is used to clean, to cleanse, internal cleansing. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 6, that verse reads, Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Water is used as a symbol to internally cleanse. In Psalm chapter 51, verse 2, David says, Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sins. It's the use of water. Now, when John the Baptist shows up in the beginning of the New Testament, starts dunking people, right? He's baptizing them. It's easy to understand that they have to have had, even though it was not mentioned in the, in the Old Testament, they have to have had an understanding of what baptism was. Even though it's not mentioned. They knew what baptism was. Even though it's not said anywhere in the Old Testament. Now, baptism kind of went through several, uh, if you look at it historically, kind of made a couple changes here. Okay? The first one, okay, before Jesus, now this was John the Baptist, before Jesus, baptism symbolized the repentance of sins and the desire to be forgiven by God. Before Jesus, baptism symbolized the repentance of sins and the desire to be forgiven by God. Mark chapter 1, verse 4 says, This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Baptism wasn't something you did on a free night. Baptism wasn't something you did because your friends were doing it. Baptism was, and it remains today, a representation of an internal occurrence. An outward demonstration of an internal occurrence. Baptism. Okay. Internal occurrence, you're showing it outwardly. Now, you had to, if you were baptized... He's speaking back there when John the Baptist was baptizing people. If you repented of your sins, wouldn't you find it reasonable that you had to live a life showing that you had repented of your sins, right? You repented of your sins, so you're outwardly displayed through baptism, and then forgiven by God of your sins, and now you're living a repentant life. Now, in Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, says, people from Jerusalem and from all over Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John, John the Baptist. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. 
But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. You brood of snakes, he explained. Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live but that you have prevented of your sins and turn to God. The Pharisees and Sadducees weren't living a repentant life and John called them out. He called them out. So Jesus comes on the scene. Now John's baptism was not for Jesus because you know why? Jesus was sin free. He never sinned. He did not need to repent of his sins and show an outward demonstration that he you know, repented of his sins and wanted to be forgiven. So John's baptism really wasn't for Jesus. However, however, it symbolized the coming. John's baptism of Jesus symbolized the coming of heaven. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says, In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. John's message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven, Jesus, is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus was identifying himself with John's ministry. Now, John was the forerunner for the Messiah. John was the forerunner for Jesus. The baptism of Jesus was basically a handoff of ministry from John to Jesus. Let's recognize that upon Jesus' baptism, his public ministry began. His public ministry began. So Jesus was without sin. His baptism proved to John that Jesus was the Messiah. John chapter 1, verses 32 through 33. Then John said, I saw the Holy Spirit come come down on Jesus as a dove from heaven. The Holy Spirit stayed on him. I did not know him then, but God sent me to baptize with water. God said to me, the Holy Spirit will come down and stay on him. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Affirmation, verification, Jesus is the Messiah. Again, Jesus did not need to be baptized. He was without sin. He was not a sinner. Yet he humbled himself in obedience to identify with us and give us an example to follow. It's important to note that John the Baptist was the final prophet of the Old Covenant. John the Baptist was the final prophet of the Old Covenant. Jesus becomes the New Covenant. Jesus becomes the New Covenant. Now, baptism, after Jesus' death, baptism now symbolizes the death and burial of our old life and the resurrection to a new life with Jesus. Powerful, powerful symbol. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 3 and 4. All of us were baptized to show we belong to Christ. We were baptized first to show His death. 
We were buried in, buried in baptism as Christ was buried in death. As Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God, so we will have new life also. The symbol here. You surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're dead to sin. You are buried in the water. And you are raised to new life with Jesus. That's powerful. That is powerful. Baptism symbolizes the believer's faith and a crucified, buried, and risen Savior. The believer's death to sin, the burial to the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life with Christ Jesus. And baptism is a testimony of the believer's faith. Now, throughout the church history, um, baptism has taken on numerous forms, okay? Um, some are baptized by being dipped three times in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, okay? So the, more, uh, the most common way is, is the way that baptism occurs here at Good Shepherd. You're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, backward motion. Okay? That's how it occurs here at Good Shepherd. Now, there was a there was a man, if you will. Let's call him the town degenerate. He was walking through the park. This particular park had a river going throughout the park. And at that river, there was a baptismal service occurring. So the town degenerate decides to walk to see what's going on. So he sees what the preacher's doing. Not knowing what's going on, he decides to get in the water. So he goes up right next to the pastor, to the preacher. The preacher looks to the town degenerate. He says, are you ready to meet Jesus? The town degenerate goes, why, sure. So the, the preacher baptizes him, brings him up. So the preacher looks at the, the old man and he says, have you found Jesus? Did you find Jesus? He says, well, no. So in an act of frustration, the preacher Dunks him again, this time in frustration, keeps him down for 30 seconds. Okay? So then he rings him up, and he says, My man, did you find Jesus? <laughs> the old man, getting the water out of his eyes and trying to catch his breath, says, What did you say? <laughs> the preacher says, Did you find Jesus? He looks at him and he goes, Are you sure this is where he fell in? I use that. Let me call that's a little bit funny. I use that because baptism in and of itself represents nothing. You have to have something occur before you are baptized. Baptism, for baptism, there is a prerequisite. Prerequisite. You don't find Jesus in baptism. 
You don't. Okay? When you are baptized, it demonstrates that you have found Jesus already, and you are a believer. You're a believer. So with that said, moving on to the next section, is baptism required for salvation? No. It is not. Baptism is not required for salvation. Water baptism is extremely important. However, the New Testament does not teach that baptism is necessary for salvation. I have a couple biblical examples to support this. The first one, an immoral woman's faith in Jesus saved her. And a moral woman's faith in Jesus saved her. That passage next to that, uh, that bullet point, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. I will read that. That is a powerful, powerful story. It begins with verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she sat, excuse me, then she knelt behind him, behind Jesus, at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing Jesus' feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, now listen, he said to himself, he did not speak this out loud. When the Pharisee saw this, he said to himself, if this, this man were a prophet, he would not. He would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. This next phrase like since, since chills down my spine, that Jesus answered his thoughts. I didn't even say anything, but Jesus answered his thoughts. Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay the man. So the man kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them away with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she has, she has from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. Then the men at the table, among themselves, they said, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He didn't say, all right, stop. Let's put dinner off a little bit. We've got to go baptize this lady. Did he say, no. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. 
Baptism does not save you. Only your faith in Christ does. The next example. The thief on the cross was saved because he believed. The thief on the cross was saved because he believed. That passage with that bullet point, Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43, begins. One of the criminals hanging beside him, now Jesus, again, let's picture this. Jesus was baptized with thieves on either side of him. Okay? One of the criminals hanging beside Jesus scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then that that thief, that criminal, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Baptism does not make you a believer. It shows that you already are already one. And that thief was saved because he believed. So the act of baptism doesn't make you a believer. It shows that you already are one. Eternal life is attained by believing in Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 16 reads, this is one of the most famous passages in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Baptism does not give you eternal life. Your belief in Jesus does. Not a single time in any of these examples did baptism occur. And the final one I have showing there, Paul was called to preach. Paul was called to preach the good news about Jesus, not baptized. Now, Paul, in looking through this, it's kind of funny whenever I was preparing the the, the uh, the lesson today, how many, you know, different scholars say, you know, Paul only wrote eight books of the Bible, and some say he wrote 13, maybe he wrote 14 if you count Hebrews. It's Anyways, Paul wrote a big chunk of the New Testament, right? He wrote a humongous chunk of the New Testament. Now, he says, Christ did not send me to baptize. He sent me to preach the gospel. So, if baptism were part of and necessary for salvation, what good would it have done for Paul to preach the gospel but not baptized? Nobody would have been saved. Nobody would have been saved. Should you be baptized? If you are a believer, absolutely yes. If you are a believer, absolutely yes, you should be baptized. Now, the key word there, if you are a believer, absolutely yes. If you're not a believer, it holds no meaning for you. The symbol is void. If you're a believer, absolutely yes, you should be baptized. As his disciples, 
Jesus tells us to be baptized. As his disciples, Jesus tells us to be baptized. Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus saying this. Water baptism is an act of faith and obedience to the commands of Christ. Again, the prerequisite for baptism is belief. Jesus as your Savior. If you have received Jesus, get baptized. If you have received Jesus, get baptized. Acts chapter 10, verse 47. Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. right here Peter saying they've received the Holy Spirit you only receive the Holy Spirit by receiving Jesus God's gift of the Holy Spirit given to you so he says these people have received the, the Holy Spirit so why can't they be baptized if you receive Jesus get baptized again you receive the Holy Spirit which is an awesome gift from God when you have Jesus in your life, when you have him as your Savior. Now, believers in the New Testament, for the most part, they were baptized the same day. They were baptized, for the most part, the same day. That really doesn't happen so much in today's culture. That might in some areas. In the, in the, in the New Testament, if you were... If you became a believer, most of the time you're baptized the same day. Now, baptism is a public confession of your faith in Jesus. Baptism is a public confession of your faith in Jesus. I believe in Jesus and I want you to know it because you are watching me getting baptized. An external demonstration of an internal occurrence. Baptism proclaims your commitment to Jesus. I want you to witness this visual testimony indicating that I belong to Jesus. Baptism proclaims your commitment to Jesus. Baptism after salvation through repentance and faith is the next step in your Christian walk. I am identifying with Christ as well as with my new family, my Christian brothers and sisters. After salvation, through repentance and faith is the next step in your Christian walk. Baptism is an important foundation for Christian life. Baptism is an important foundation for Christian life. 
want to demonstrate to everyone that I come in contact with by the way that I live that I have Christ in me. That I have Christ in me. Now again, I've, I've said this and I'm going to continue to beat the dead horse. Baptism, there's a requirement. There's a requirement for baptism. The person being baptized portrays, okay, they have Jesus. They've received Jesus as their personal Savior. The, per- the, the, the person being baptized portrays that even though Jesus knew no sin, he took sin's penalty in his own body and died in place of the believer. They're portraying that. They're acknowledging that. Jesus was then raised from the death the same way the believer receives his new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, he is a new man. Raised up to live a life of overcoming sin, not by his own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. I invite you to stand with me this morning. I'm closing here. As I ask the the worship team and prayer team to come forward. Baptism is like, it's like a wedding ring. We put on a wedding ring, those of us who are married, as a symbol of our commitment and devotion. In the same way, baptism is a picture of devotion and commitment to Christ. A wedding ring reminds us and tells others that we belong to someone special. In the same way, baptism reminds us and others that we are devoted to Christ and belong to Him. Now, being a devoted follower of Christ and living a countercultural life by the power of the Holy Spirit gives you freedom and peace that the world can't give you. Jesus died on the cross for the sins of every single one of us in here. Jesus died on the cross for our sins to get the gift of eternal life. Like it says in John 3.16, we must believe. To get the eternal life in heaven, God's gift, and God's gift to us here while we're on earth, the Holy Spirit, Again, we must accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. To do this, we've got to talk to God about it. Okay? Talking to God is called praying. Now, praying takes many forms. Praying can be long and verbose and straight to the point. We can pray out loud. We can pray quietly or we can pray in our mind. It doesn't matter which way we pray, God hears us. He listens to us. Now, Jesus gave his life for every single one of us. And if there's anyone here who has not accepted Jesus, who has not received him, I would like to give each and every single one of you the opportunity to talk to God about it. Again, receiving Jesus 
accepting Jesus. It's a requirement for baptism. So, if anybody here has not done that, again, I want to give you the opportunity to talk to God about it. Now again, you can talk to God quietly, you can talk to God out loud, or you can talk to God in your mind. If you would, I'd like to bow your heads. And you can repeat after me if there's anyone here who would like to receive Jesus. Heavenly Father God, you can repeat after me. I, I come before you and acknowledge that I am a sinner and am, am in dire need of forgiveness. I know that you loved me before I even knew of you. You sending your sons, you're sending your son to die on the cross for me, for my sins is definite proof of that. I acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for me. And with my mouth, I say to you, I know you raised him from the dead. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life. I ask the Holy Spirit to guide and protect me. Thank you, God, for what you have done for me. I am your new disciple. Glory to you, Heavenly Father. Amen. Now, if there's anybody who prayed that prayer, I want to say to you, welcome to the family of God. Joyously welcome you to the family of God. And please understand that if you prayed that prayer, there is a tremendous celebration going on in heaven for you right now. Saying that prayer was a personal choice. But I highly encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, to let somebody know. To let somebody know. So that we can celebrate with you. So that we can celebrate with you. Now, Baptism. Back to baptism. Anyone who has been saved, those who may have just saved that prayer, or people who have been saved previously and have not been baptized, I highly encourage you to think about taking the step to being baptized. Step into the testimony that you would be showing people how important Christ is to you, laying that foundation, identifying yourself with Christ dying to your old life, being buried and being risen into your newness, your new life, the power of the Holy Spirit. The call to prayer this morning, come up front. I invite you to come up front if you have anything on your heart that you would like to have prayer for. Uh, The prayer team is ready to pray for you.